0: G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Gigao, and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as constantly buying blank CDs? Our presentation today is about those things I hate to do. At the end of 2019, Gabrielle and I and our little son Daniel went for a holiday at the Gold Coast. My daughter Sarah was not yet born and we found really, really good weather while we were there. Daniel was just learning to talk and every morning he would say, and, and, he couldn't pronounce his S's and he wanted to go to the sand, he wanted to go to the beach. We really enjoyed our time there one night there was actually a thunderstorm i remember it was the thursday before we left and it was the first time our son daniel had actually heard thunder or at least that he was conscious of and every time the noise would boom he would go under under it was really cute while there weren't many clouds in the sky in the gold coast at the time in my heart was a different story i still remember that i didn't have my peace Now, I remember the day before we left, something happened and I lost my peace and it lasted for about a week. I was just not feeling peaceful with God. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, it's a very well known passage which says, Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I decided to put God to the test about these verses, and as I've already shared a number of times, about five years prior to when we went on holiday, I decided to put aside one hour every day to spend time with God, and this completely changed my life. I remember it was the 6th of January 2015 when I made the decision, and after a period of spending time with God daily, I reached a point where I realized I wanted to make a complete surrender to Him. I wanted to fully dedicate my life to Him. And when I did that, I had this internal peace that I cannot describe. It was unusual because I'd lived most of my life without feeling this this peace, this rest. It's just like this verse says, Come to me and I will give you rest. I had this rest and now it was gone. This was unusual because I had gotten used to having it all the time by now. The way we sometimes behave isn't always rational. We sometimes choose to do the wrong thing even though we know we shouldn't do it. I remember at this time, as I was feeling like this, I was often making the wrong decision. There is a verse in Romans where Paul speaks about this. He says, for what I am doing, that I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. This is very interesting. Why would we do the things we hate to do? Why does Paul say he sometimes does the things that he hates to do? It's almost crazy, right? We think that we're genuinely in control of the things that we do we know what we want to do, you may think, you know, I want to do this, so I'm going to go and do this. But what Paul is saying is that this is not always the case. He's saying that sometimes we do the things that we specifically do not want to do. Why is that? Why do we sometimes behave in a way that we do not want to? We'll explore this just after this song.
1: I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand. Than to be the king of a vast domain and be here. Than anything this world affords today and to
0: Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigau, and today we're looking at why we do the things that we hate to do. Are we not rational, reasonable people? If I was to ask you, do you think you're a rational person? In fact, I asked someone this at my church just this weekend, and they responded by saying, most of the time. I think that's a really good answer. I think that most of us think that we're rational most of the time. So, why? do we sometimes do the things we don't want to? John Corzine is a very wealthy individual. He's a very successful businessman. His net worth is, at the moment, around 500 million Australian dollars. He was the governor of New Jersey from 2006 to 2010. Now, John got into a car accident. He wasn't driving, he was in the passenger seat at the time. And the car was travelling at a little over 140 kilometres an hour when it lost control. He suffered some serious injuries. He had 11 broken ribs, he had a broken sternum, he had a broken clavicle, he had an open fracture of the femur and a fractured lower vertebrae. It was a miracle that he was able to survive. In fact, it took extensive surgery, 7 units of blood, and he even had to have plastic surgery. But he was able to survive. One of the things, though, that made me kind of scratch my head about what happened was John wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Now, this wasn't an unusual thing. John did this most of the time. The majority of the time, John would not wear his seatbelt. His drivers would beg him, please, sir, please put on your seatbelt. And he'd be like, no, I don't want to. Why wouldn't John wear his seatbelt? We live in a day where we realise that seatbelts save lives. Why would he refuse to wear his seatbelt? I mean, he's obviously an intelligent man. I remember I used to travel to Romania. Now, this was back 20, 25 years ago. And when I would get into a taxi, at the time, they did have obligatory seatbelt laws in Romania, but no one was really enforcing it. And only a few people actually wore seatbelts. And I would get into the taxi. And coming from Australia, the first thing I did was put my seatbelt on. That was the reflex I had. And the taxi drivers would give me this look. They would look at me. They would look me up and down. Some of them would even say, what, don't you trust me? I remember thinking, I don't even know you. And it's not just you I have to trust. I have to trust all the other drivers on the road. And we know that cars get into accidents. The last time I went to Romania, I think it was 2015, they were actually enforcing seatbelt laws at the time. Well, somewhat. They were enforcing seatbelt laws in the front seat. But if you weren't wearing your seatbelt in the back, it kind of got overlooked. And it wasn't technically legal, but the police didn't really care about it at the time. I'm not sure what it's like now. I remember driving with my friend in the back, and no one would wear their seatbelts. And I would think, why? Why? Why would you take this unnecessary risk? I'm trying to lose a bit of weight. My BMI is 26, and I know that a healthy BMI is 25 and under. There's a lower limit as well, but I never have to worry about that one personally. I actually did pretty well this year. This year I lost almost 7 kilos at one point, but four of those have found me again, unfortunately. It's something that I'm trying to do, but I sometimes struggle. And I sometimes struggle with it right at the church that I go to, which is Horsham Church. Normally, on the third Sabbath, we would have a lunch. And I'd go and eat lunch, and it's normally amazing food we have. And I'd say to myself, okay, Marius, you're full. You don't need to eat anymore. And then I hear, dessert is served. And I'm like, "Uh, maybe I'll just have a look. So I go and I have a look. And then I'll see some of the cupcakes that Darlene has made. And I think to myself, mmm, those are yummy cupcakes. And my brain tells me, Marius, you shouldn't eat one of those cupcakes. If you do, it'll go to your stomach and it'll stay there permanently. When you look at Darlene, look her in the eye and say, get behind me, Darlene. But when I get closer, I don't do that. (laughs) I say, I'll take four, please. Maybe not quite four. But why do we eat more than we should? Why do we behave like this? Why do some people not wear seatbelts when they know that seatbelts save lives? Why do people sometimes say things that they know that they shouldn't? Why do we sometimes behave in a way that we know we shouldn't? There appears to be a contrast between what we know we should do and what we actually do. Why do we sometimes do the things that we hate? We'll continue exploring this just after this song.
1: Savior say, that strength indeed is small, Try of weakness, watch and pray, and find in me not all in all, Jesus paid it all, and all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
0: back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Gigao and today we're looking at why we sometimes do the things that we hate. And we're asking, are we not rational, reasonable people? If so, then why would a successful businessman such as John Corzine refuse to wear a seatbelt? Why do I eat extra cupcakes when I'm satiated and trying to lose weight? Why do we say things that we know we shouldn't? I did some research online about this and found that there is a very extensive list. And as I had a look at it, I realized that most of the things on it actually tie down to emotion. Our decision-making process is based on two main influencing factors. One is our mind, which is where we make rational, reasonable decisions. And the other one is sometimes referred to as our heart or our emotions, the way we feel about things and the heart very much influences our behavior. This is why when I see some cake, I think, oh, I know I shouldn't, but I feel that I want to. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus and his disciples are in a boat. It reads, starting from verse 23. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. I was thinking about this event in light of what had happened earlier that day. For those of us who don't know, earlier that day, Jesus had done a number of amazing miracles. He had healed a leper. He had healed the centurion's servant. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. And the Bible also tells us that he had healed many others. I can just imagine that the disciples were on a spiritual high. You can imagine the discussion that would have gone on among them. This is clearly the Messiah. This is the Son of God. The kingdom is here and we are going to be part of his kingdom. You can imagine how excited and on what a spiritual high they were on. But it's weird, right, that only a few hours later, they're now saying, oh no, we're going to die. Even though the Messiah is with them. I started looking into what led to me losing my peace in 2019. I remember that a few months earlier in October, I was about to run an evangelistic series at Maryborough Church, which would go for about a month. Now, I remember during this evangelistic series, I specifically told myself, Marius, you're going to be very, very busy. During this month, I remember there were some weeks where I'd worked more than 70 hours trying to fit everything together. And I said to myself, you're going to be very, very busy. Make sure that you continue with your devotions. Make sure that you are spending time with God daily. And at the time, I had a routine. I would wake up. I would spend 10 or 20 minutes doing memory verses. I would then pray. And then I would spend about an hour reading my Bible. I used to start by praying first, but then I realized that I'd just fall back asleep and end up sleep praying. So I did the memory verses first, which kind of woke up my brain. During that month, I was pretty faithful with my devotions. But after that month finished, in the month of November, I was encouraged to take it easier. I was told, don't work so hard. Spend more time with the family. Take it easy. So I did. I took a little bit of time off, I spent some time with the family, and I spent more time relaxing. And what I found that I would sometimes stay up a little later with my wife, which meant that I would wake up a little later and didn't have as much time for my devotions. Instead of spending one hour reading my Bible, I'd spend half an hour, On other days I wouldn't spend any time reading my Bible, I'd just do my memory verses. And I found that my devotions were wavering. And they kept wavering which led to me reaching a point where I had lost the peace that I was so accustomed to having in my heart. Now stay with us after this song, and we'll examine why this peace was gone.
2: Like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow, like the blood that makes me whole, is the love of God that flows into me. Like a river flowing down to the sea, like a rushing wind you flow. Into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows Into me And like a river you come flooding through The desert of my heart And like the wind You come rushing, blowing life through every part. And like the snow, you're falling on me with the blood of your own son. And like the sun, you come shining, making darkness run. Just like a river flowing down to the sea. Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me And like a river, you come pouring out your love upon the field. And like the wind, you bring the harvest down to take your yield. And like the snow, you come to winter, touching hearts and making warm and light. The mighty light to calm the storm Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me Is the love of God that
0: flows
2: into me
0: Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigel and today we're looking at why we sometimes do the things we hate. Are we not rational, reasonable people? Why do we say things we don't want to? Why do we do things that we don't really want to do? We've discovered that the decision-making process is not entirely based on reason and critical thinking, but emotions also play a very important role. This is why you hear people say things like, I felt like it when trying to justify some silly behaviour. I was sharing before the break how after a period of neglecting to be faithful in my devotions, I lost my peace. I lost my internal peace with God. And I believe that this is because I had lost that close connection that I was accustomed to having with God every day. One of the founders of our church, Ellen White, writes, The masterful passions of the heart no human power can control. We are as helpless here as were the disciples to quiet the raging storms but he who spoke peace into the billows of Galilee has spoken the words of peace for every soul. Essentially, what she's saying is the masterful passions of the heart, we cannot control them on our own. In fact, this is exactly what Paul is trying to say when he says, I do the things which I don't want to do. I found that when I wasn't spending time with God, I was struggling with certain masterful passions. You see, when I gave my heart to God, many of you may know by now that I struggled with drug addictions at the time. Once I decided to give my heart to God, this problem that I had had for so many years was completely removed. In fact, I say what's even a bigger miracle than the fact that God removed drugs for my life was that he removed the desire for drugs from my life. One of the things that I used to always think was that, Marius, one day you're going to be able to get off drugs. You're going to have to push really, really hard and make sure that you stay clean. But you're always going to struggle with this all of your life. You know how the saying goes, once a drug addict, always a drug addict. And I used to think, I'm going to have to fight with this temptation all of my life. But God has done something completely amazing. He has removed the desire. I no longer have any desire to use drugs, which I think is completely miraculous. It's amazing when we give our hearts to God, sometimes he will take certain things that we struggle with, but he doesn't always take everything that we struggle with. I also struggled with taking God's name in vain and with using profane language. And when I gave my heart to him, God said, okay, this, this, and this I'm going to remove from your life. You're not going to have to struggle with drugs, with taking God's name in vain, and with swearing anymore. But he didn't do that with all of my sins. There are some sins that we continue to struggle with even after we have made a complete surrender to God. Now stay with us after this song, and we'll wrap it up.
3: mighty fortress is our God A bulwark never failing Our helper He amid the flood Of mortal ills prevailing For still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe His craft and power are great Armed with cruel
1: hate
3: On earth is not his equal Did we in our own strength confide Our striving would be losing We're not the right man on our side The man of God's own choosing Dost ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is he Lord Sabaoth his name From age to age the same And he must win the battle Threaten to undo us We will not fear for God has will His truth to triumph through us The prince of darkness grim We tremble not for Him His rage we can endure For lo his doom is sure One little word shall fail him That word above all earthly powers No thanks to them abideth The Spirit and the gifts are ours Aside Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever.
0: Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Mario S. and today we're looking at why we sometimes do the things we hate. We've discovered that the decision-making process is not only based on reason and critical thinking alone, but it's also based on our emotions. This is why you hear people saying things like, I felt like it. After a period of neglecting to be faithful in my devotions, I shared that I actually lost my peace. And I believe that this is because I had lost that close connection that I had with God. In essence, my heart was no longer aligned with His. We also found out that there are some masterful passions that no human power can control. Sometimes when we give our life to God, He removes certain sins instantly. But there are others that we have to struggle with even after a complete surrender to Him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, and gives us a snapshot of how he deals with this issue. He says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Essentially, what he's saying here is that I discipline myself. I try to do the right thing. I work very hard to bring my body into subjection, which implies that my body wants to do something else. But I say, no, that's not the right thing. I'm going to try to do the right thing. As we mentioned before, when you're making your decisions in life, there are two major factors that influence your decision-making process. There is the mind, the place where we make critical thinking decisions, and there is the heart or the emotional process. Paul here is speaking about the mind. He's saying, I work hard to bring it into subjection. Now, one of the things that I personally struggle with is grazing. I'm not very temperate when it comes to food. I walk past the kitchen table and I'm like, ooh, what's that? I'll have a little bit of that. and I'll have a little bit of this. And sometimes I open the fridge and my wife sees me just sitting there staring into the fridge. And I made the decision a short while ago that I need to work on being temperate. And I said, okay, I'm going to try to do two meals a day and I'm going to try really hard to eliminate grazing, eliminate eating between meals. And the reason I'm doing this is because I've done a bit of reading and I found out that there is a very strong connection between how temperate we are in relation to food and other areas of our life. If we teach ourselves that, hey, I'm going to resist. You know, when I go to the kitchen and I see something I want, instead of thinking, "Ooh, I'm going to eat this, I'm trying to make my mind say, okay, I want to eat that. But I'll wait until it's time to eat that. And in this way, I'm trying to teach my body to be disciplined. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, I discipline my body, not necessarily just in relation to food, but in relation to all aspects of life. I think what he means is, I'm going to do what's within my power to discipline my body. But there is another part to the decision-making process, which is the heart. Sometimes, as I mentioned before, we know what we should do, but we don't do it. And quite often, we don't do it because of the way that we are feeling. What I've found in my life is that the way to bring the heart in alignment with God's will is to spend time with Him. When spending time with God daily, we are engaging in a relationship with Him. That way, our heart comes in alignment with His will. And when the masterful passions come to tempt us, the brain says, No, don't do this because it's the wrong thing. And the heart also says, No. You don't want to do this because it will separate you from God. I wanted to ask you today, how are you doing with your devotional life? How are you doing with your relationship with God? Is your heart in alignment with His? How are you going with your masterful passions? Are they controlling you or is God enabling you to overcome? I wanted to encourage you to examine your heart. I want to encourage you to make sure that you are spending time with God, that you are spending time developing that relationship, that you are spending time to bring your heart in alignment with God. Because I truly believe that Jesus is coming very, very soon. And I want to be ready. My question for you is, are you ready today? We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today, where we have video presentations on many topics, including the one we've just been talking about called Why Do We Do The Things We Hate? We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigau, God bless, and I hope you have a magnificent day.
1: Too
4: Lord
0: to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week.
4: I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell
1: the old, old story Of Jesus and his love.